How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 89. Zeke, we're so close. We're so close. It's happening. Speaking of 89, <laughs> this is your last installment for your turn. This is. So for those who haven't been following, I've been quizzing Zeke on 80s movies quotes. And uh, it's gone pretty evenly. You're four for four right now. So this is it. This is your defining final chance. Mm, before now, it flips over to me. I know I've said this a few times, Zeke. But I'm really confident this is <laughs> that you've actually seen the film I'm about to quote. Okay. Uh, I, I let you off last week with Die Hard a little. Well, to be fair, you did get it. Event yes. like the second quote that I gave you. And yes. You haven't seen the film, so fair enough. But um, I know for a fact you have because you've raved about this film earlier this year and on the podcast. We both seen it. We both like this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to do any accents or that. I'm, I'm just going to play it safe. I haven't actually rewatched the clip yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember exactly how it said, but I'm going to give you the quote. Are you ready, Zeke? Yes, yeah, go for it. Defining moment. <clears throat> you almost knocked me down, man. The word is excuse me. Ah, uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Not only did you knock me down, you stepped on my brand new white Air Jordans I just bought, and that's all you have to say is excuse me. I believe this is do the right thing. Correct. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, Spike, Spike Lee Joint. Spike Lee Joint, 1989. You did it. Very nice. And mm. that was definitely not one of the easier quotes. It was also featured in our poll for the Countdown Through the Decades. It was too. You're right. And what there was it, 80? So uh, Ghostbusters beat it out. It did. But um, De- we were... De- at- quite definitively, too. Oh, really? <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> well, we will definitely do do the right thing at some point. More relevant than ever. So I guess from next week on, you're going to be quoting me, 90s. Figures. I will. I'll start with 1990. Very exciting. I, have a couple of, I already have a couple of films in mind. Ah, oh, very nice. I'm just concerned. It does happen to be... I will have to go through your... Letterbox is actually a very thorough verification source, Yeah, I think. and mine is... My like account is very accurate. Yes. Like, it's very rare I find a film that I haven't logged sort of thing. Mm. So, uh, yeah. No drama-ramas. Okay, let's move into what we've watched in the last week. Hmm. So, Zeke, uh, have you watched much this week? I actually haven't been too bad. I uh, will be getting to later parts in the show. I have, for the first time since maybe <gasps> episode, God knows what episode, <laughs> um, I will have a career installment update. So it's oh going to be really my cool. God. Um, relating to film, I've watched uh, three <laughs> films, not including the film from the last week. So I've actually had a slow week for films, but it does have to do with. Obviously, what I've been up to the last couple of days, mm. um, I'm very, I'm actually not too tired today. I was much more tired yesterday. Um, I'm actually feeling pretty good, but I imagine by the end of this episode, I'm going to crash hard. So yeah, for sure. Well, uh, before we get to that, let's find out. So what you went for? Three, films? three films. Yeah, three films. Two of them. Um, so one of them, I'm going to start with the. I'm just going to go chronological this week. In terms of when you I'm, saw them. Yep. Yeah, and unfortunately, the best film I saw this week was definitely the film of the week. Okay, so, a little teaser there. Um, which isn't saying much because I didn't give very high grades this week. <laughs> um, so the first one is by Dan Fog- Fogelman. Uh, Dan a 2018 Fogelman film right. called Life Itself. Now, this film, if you would look, if I was to read you the cast, Jake. I know Oscar, Oscar Isaac's in it. And Olivia Wilde. Oh, very nice. Uh, and Antonio Banderas. Very nice. With a little bit of Mandy Patinkin. 
who was, uh, you know, in Princess Bride and stuff like that. Mm. Um, Which we did episode 62. We did. <laughs> now, this film is based off a book, um, I believe, like, and uh, I don't really know what else to say about it. It is a film that takes place over three generations of a family and the ups and downs of it and the sort of the cyclical... Na- oh, it's two families mm. and how they eventually converge together. Um, it's similar to... um. Oh, God. what Did we do this recently? Two families, similar journeys intersect. Uh, I want to say shoplifters, but that's not... Oh, I guess Parasite. Yeah. Is one kind of... But that base is more around uh, social structures. Yeah, and stuff, it's whereas, not the one I'm thinking of, but there's one... This is sort of the ups and downs of life. Yeah. I gotcha. guess you could talk about um, the devil all the time would be the one that follows multiple generations of a family. Maybe. I'm thinking two of families. a movie specifically two families, though. Like, very clearly. Mm. God, I feel like we did this as well. I mean, you know, I'm going to go through this, but tell me about life itself, Seek. Um, and then tell me about the movie. I don't life really itself. know what to say about it. Um... <laughs> See, I mean, m- multiple character. I don't know if this film you're ever going to watch. I would not recommend it. It got, it's been horrendously bashed oh, as a film. Yikes! Um, I think this might be the worst rated film I've ever seen Oscar Isaac in. Um, and I don't really know if I can defend it all that much. I sat on a two star rating, mm. which is technically a failed rating, because the film is sort of over. It's not overly ambitious by any means. It's just kind of convoluted it's kind of for lack of a better expression up its own ass it's so pretentious mm, okay. and sort of like oh well life is such a crazy basically the conclusion is um life is life like basically life just has its ups and downs and what it has, a wonderfully specific message it's a very it's overly broad to the point where it literally accomplishes it. you have two hours of pretty much nothing just a mm. bunch of people living parts of their life that is plagued with tragedy and um, that's pretty much it. Tragedy, um, characters that start redeemable and interesting end up being substanceless and useless. Uh, Oscar Isaac's a fine example of that. He has an amazing, he has a very inside Lewin Davis-esque presence in the Mm. first bit because he's getting over the loss of Olivia Wilde, which we do reveal there's some really cool stylistic things, but it's it's wildly inconsistent. There's a bit at the start he's in therapy. It's Olivia and wildly inconsistent. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's in therapy, Jake, and basically he goes like he explains how he met his wife, and yeah. it cuts back to them at college, and him and the therapist are in the scene like looking at each other, like they're looking at their memories, sort of thing, and they don't return to that device at all for the rest of the film it's like these two are just sitting there going oh look at me look what i was like at this age and then that's and then that's the only time it gets surreal and the rest of it it's incredibly grounded realism it sounds a little like did you ever watch patterson the jim jarmusch film yeah yeah it's it sounds similar to that but it sounds like jim jarmusch got it a bit more right where it's not patterson was surreal it was not surreal but just in terms of like oh here's sort of this average look at this couple and you know, he's he drives a bus and it goes by, and yeah. it's sort of a nothing film, but it didn't not work at least for me. No, I liked, I really yeah. like Patterson. Yeah, it sounds similar. Patterson's different though because it's completely grand, grounded in the contemporary life of right. this couple, and particularly Patterson in general. But no, 
I can't recommend this film. Okay. It's got an obsession with uh, one particular Bob Dylan album. And it's just like, oh, we're quoting Bob Dylan. So, of course... And I've never been a huge fan of Olivia Wilde's acting. I, we already talked about her directing in Booksmart. Yep. We really liked it. But I've never been a huge... I've still never really been sold on Olivia Wilde. She's good in her, but she's probably my least favorite part of her. Well, she's not really in... She's in one scene. Yeah. So... I've never found a film that I can be, can cling on to Olivia Wilde and be like, I really like that film from her. Okay. Not calling her a bad actress or anything. Well, Maybe I she just think hasn't... of much that she's... In, uh, she's in Not Horrible Bosses, The Change Up, which she saw not that long ago, actually. I, I mean, she's she in put, it, but... Most of the time, she's just a small part. But she's like the secretary. And oh, look, she's hot. Well, it's like in Rush. She's in Rush. Oh, okay. And she's just the wife from... Yeah. Uh, for Hemsworth. It's like the Laura Dern effect. She's the wife yeah. in so she many She kind of films. is. She, I reckon she suffers the same problem, the uh, the Laura Dern effect. Yeah. The film I was thinking of earlier, by the way, was The Swallows of Kabul, which is very specifically two families, different circumstances under Taliban rule. So that's the movie I was thinking of. Okay. But uh, there you go. So yeah, that was my first one. Do I Let's throw it back to you, bud. Yeah, okay. Well, I didn't watch a lot this week, but I, wa- I watched a couple new things. I watched Enola Holmes, which I said last week I was gonna. So mm-hmm. Millie Bobby Brown. How'd you feel? Um... It's interesting. I think it's a fine kids' film. Okay. Uh, that being said, I mean, it, it suffers a lot of the things that I was a bit nitpicky on with, like, Detective Pikachu. Well, like, it's finely made, but mm-hmm. the the obviousness of it, like, every five minutes, you're like, oh, it's a kids' film, because they have mm-hmm. to over-explain, like, the clues and the sleeping. Yeah. And this. it was a little much on, on that end. And what was interesting is that I found out Millie Bobby Brown actually produced this film with her older sister. So the idea is that they were fans of the book, and they actually... Well, essentially, the two people mm. that got this movie made. And I was like, oh, I thought people just liked her in Stranger Things. I didn't realize she had, like, actual power in Hollywood to get movies made. Which, I mean, you know what? Good on her. She's fun in this film. She is the polar so opposite. So she's the, she's the woman. Yeah, she's a Nolan Holmes. Yeah. And she's good in it. She's super, uh, not flamboyant, but yeah. She's really out there and fun and energetic. And mm. it's the polar opposite of her Stranger Things performance, where she's subdued and quiet and can't really speak. And impulsive. In particular in latter seasons. When yeah, yeah. Well, it's just such a different character, and it, it felt like she did that on purpose. I guess for her, it's good to get that, too, because she's been mm. such defined by the Stranger Things franchise, whereas uh, that, that, that wolf wolf guard kid has at least had his oh, uh, yeah. his it stuff right. And oh, Finn Wolfhard, you mean? Finn Wolfhard, though, dude. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I got, I, 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 you know, I it's, it. it's nice. It's not. I mean, especially she's growing up and she's growing out of that Stranger Things yeah. world. I mean, I can't imagine them going past season four in Stranger Things. Have they said that? Yes, they have. They have. Confirmed okay, that's the four. last season. Okay, um, it's very obvious with the end of three too that there'll be a fourth yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's seems like uh, it's got to be up in the top three or four most successful Netflix shows. Oh, it's huge. Massive. Mm, I think it was the most successful. Might still. I think at the time, the third season, it was like one of the most viewed for sure. Yeah. I think from a career standpoint, this is a genius move for Millie Bobby mm. Brown. This is really going to help her stretch out because I know she's in the Godzilla films and stuff. I I don't know. I I haven't seen them. <laughs> I've seen the first one. And I can't remember her. I don't, I think she's in like a sequel to that first one. Oh, the Sea of Monsters one. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't ask me. Uh, I really, I just know she's. And he watched the first Godzilla one for Cranston, and then he's out in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, so I've only seen the first twenty minutes. Of biggest, <laughs> biggest dupe ever in a film, I think, <laughs> for sure. But um, 
No, I look. I enjoy the film enough. I, a lot of the, my friends who have seen, they were a little more down on it. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I said, it's a kids' film. It's fun. It's quirky. The editing is nice and quick. It, a couple of scenes, like you know, one-on-one dialogue, it sort of chops up the performances in a not so nice way. But there was only once or twice when I thought that, like, oh, Henry Cavill isn't allowed to act in the scene because they're cutting to him and then from him and mm-hmm. then to him from like fifty times. And that's a problem with movies these days in terms of editing, but um, otherwise, I, I, I thought it was good. I actually liked... So there's a mother and daughter relationship here with Fanola Holmes and her mom, mm-hmm. and she, the mom goes missing, so she has to look for her. And it's sort of dwelled into the stuff where some of the sort of the, the feministic commentary I thought was actually quite clever, but then other times it was, like, really obvious. I was like, yeah. So, like, one, I like the fact that their relationship is explored and then when the brothers come she's got you know Sherlock Holmes her older brother and then Mycroft Mycroft is that his name something like yeah so they come in and they have a very different outlook on life they're more bureaucracy based and they don't really care for free thinkers and Nola's got to go to school and I thought that was a clever commentary of oh okay well they're boys she's a girl so they were raised by their mother differently Mm -hmm. different parents I thought that was clever subtext and then in the next scene, they have Minecraft being like, ugh, feminism, looking at a book. And it's like... It was... Inconsistent. Well, yeah, it's just like there was obvious scenes and then there was nice subtle scenes and it was a weird mix, but I thought it was fine. It's a fine film. Yeah, Your kids no. will like it. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> well, I actually finished um, my Sam Mendes uh, director. Oh. I've got 8 out of 8 for him now. You watched every film of his. I finished off with... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did Away We Go, yep. which was probably is looking at the the eight is definitely the smallest of them mm. which was the krasinski uh Krasins, uh starring jo- uh maya rudolph and john krasinski um and that was probably the smallest out of him obviously i've seen both the bond films he did yep. american beauty 1917 i'm definitely one of the least I always forget he fa- did american beauty that's yep. such a great like early career move uh last year i watched road to parent per- per- perdition Oh, Tom Hanks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I quite like Pedition, uh, Road to Perdition. And to finish off, I watched the Kate Winslet. Leon, I haven't watched an LDC film in a while, and mm. I watched Revolutionary Road this week. Oh, yeah. I've and, seen that clip of him like going ballistic. I've seen that clip a million times, but never seen the film. Mm. I'm afraid to disappoint you. Oh, I might be. I From what I see, I'm slightly below the average rating of this on Letterboxd. Okay. I didn't feel much for um, Revolutionary Road. Um, it's basically about uh, sort of the breakdown of a marriage between two people who are in the suburbs of suburbia. and Marriage try story. To... Boy, oh boy, <laughs> does this film sort of feel like a marriage story that... I mean, this film came out in 2008. Yeah. So sort of... I wouldn't say it's at the height. It's definitely not the height of LDC. It's probably close to the height of Kate Winslet. Now, I'm not saying she's past her prime, well, but it's, definitely... it's after Titanic, so... She was super yeah. hot from Titanic to about the end of the, end of the 22... The aughts. Yeah, the aughts. The 2000s. The um, And I would say that although she does still pop up sporadically, she's not at the prime. Whereas... So this film, I feel like, came at a prime for her. Right. Well, uh, they're, Prime they're, popularity. They're, they're two stars. They're two stars in a movie. Well, I don't think I he thinking? was. Even... No, they're both in Titanic. They are. I'm an idiot. I just thought of that now. Exactly. But I would say LDC really pushes. I mean, he's kept it going, whereas I feel like Winslet has not had nearly as much to do in the tens. Um, 
and this film's good. Obviously, it's two great actors being put together. Yeah. Um, there's a great, actually, supporting cast performance from David Harbour from Stranger oh, Things. There you go. Interesting. Um, early days for him. It would have been early days for him. I'm just looking at Winslet's filmography. She's in a lot of stuff that I forget that she's in. She's great in Steve Jobs and Contagion, but you're right. That's not like her height. Yeah, her I'm height talking wasn't this is the, something like this would have been marketed <laughs> on the same sort of like when you think of Marriage Story, you're looking at two pe- two actors that were are at their heights. Yeah, fantastic of the decades. actors. They're but, in everything. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. For both of them, their popularity is at like right now Scarlett Johansson and or Johansson and Adam Driver mm. come Marriage Story are at peak popularity now is it, it Johansson? is that her name well she's yeah it's she's south Johansson? african yeah she's south african to be Johansson. um but yeah um they're at the height of their popularity whereas these two or at least for winslet this is definitely the height of her popularity i think ldc has kept it going for another decade i think he just picks more clever films yeah and i mean he's in film when you put him in a tarantino like with once upon a time or django which mm. were in the 2010s you also get the benefit of being a Tarantino, so you get the you get the double one, like the double publicity. Yeah, but he's I think he's really selective, and when he picks them, he picks prominent ones. I mean, he's still getting paired up with. He's aged, I think, better maybe. Um, like over than, time. Than Kate Winslet. Yeah, I think, think they're that, both. What you mean, like physically, literally? Just in terms of like act, like we cons- cons- actor consumability. Right. Yeah. Like if you said. Like tomorrow, oh, there's a new Kate Winslet film coming out. There'd be not as many people intrigued as if I said there's yeah. a new LDC film. Gotcha. Um, it's okay for Mendes. I think he's a good director. I don't like 1917. I don't think it's all that much of a, it's an I experience. Think you're crazy, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experience. I don't think it think it lacks story substance. Whereas a film like this, cinematically. It's probably not as visually engaging, but the story is at least a bit more of a breakdown of suburbia. Like these, this marriage falls apart because mm. one of them is pushing for the support of family and just the typical American dream, while the other one wants to escape, which is Kate Winslet's character. Um, and sort of the suffocation of the suburbs is what he's trying to get across. It's fine. It's just a little slow. It's not as compelling as something like Marriage Story. Mm. Um, the fights, uh, I think Winslet is not framed as equally as Leo. I think Leo's not very likable, but at least he's eventually pushed more to that lack of likability. But it's not, I like the, it, it doesn't feel like a power, like it, in, in Mary's story, it definitely feels like, like we've talked about on our episode, mm. it's a shifting in power stance between the yeah, two well the, well, the audience is always co- rooting for one of the two at some point throughout the film and they're both framed as good and bad guys where in this it's very clearly just leo's probably the bad guy and wins the sympathizer and there's never really a point where she's they don't switch roles that, that no much. you never there's never he cheats on her very early on mm. he's well, definitely see, the, the bad the, guy one of, in marriage without spoiling it there is someone who cheats on the other in marriage story and they do it in a way where you kind of forget that the cheating off happened. Scre- it's, it's off screen. It's mostly off screen with that, and we only get it through performance stuff and a couple of little awkward scenes. Whereas Leo actively pursues it in this film. Yeah, okay. 
So he's so more of a dirtbag. He's a bit of a dirtbag, and it's more just the falling apart of a marriage, which means there's not as much dynamic to it. In fact, it, it, and I I don't know. I think uh, there's... I'd love to see it. Just, yeah, to yeah, talk about it. But I've just rounded them off, and I would say out of the eight films, um, production context, obviously, production and social context aside, I still think American Beauty is a really good film. Mm. Um, oh yeah of course and yeah. I think Road you know per- Perdition and you know Jarhead I mean predominantly he's got really good films I just think for me 1917 wasn't visually was great and I think Deacon's photography is really good but still can't get past the fact that there's not really a story and then you watch something like Dunkirk or you watch something like that you know it's like there's a story there there's... I think Dunkirk's a weird comparison in terms of a war movie having a story and not having a story. But... I guess it's experience, though. But mm. Dunkirk, it's it's framed from... There's multiple... It's about the extraction. It's about an event, whereas I feel like a lot of it... It's a visual experience more than anything, uh, 1917. It's a great visual experience. Mm. You cannot beat that that running shot with all the explosions as he runs out of the trench. Oh, it's funny. Cause I, there was a couple, of, I don't know why, but it actually came from my phone. A couple of scenes that I just started watching again. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Some great moments in that film. Yeah. Well, you know, we never did a 1917 episode. We didn't, but we didn't. Perhaps we'll have to come back to it. Yeah. There's always Maybe for a Mendes, uh, true. Corner. But fun fact for the audience, you don't, we were going to do a Sam Mendes director's corner like months and months ago. Mm-hmm. And then it, I think because his Bond film got delayed. So, oh no. No, that's not his, isn't it? The new one's not his. I think we were going to do Skyfall next to the new Bond. And the Skyfall was going to be the director's Exactly. Call. And then yeah. that got pushed away because of COVID. So, yeah. fun so, fact for the audience there. I'm sure we might reframe that when uh, we Whenever. get that Bond film confirmed. I still think it's a little up in the air. What, for this They're, year? They keep saying it's this year. Yeah, nah. I, I just don't see it happening. Tenet's not doing well enough for them to... To do it, nah. Um, okay, I've got one more, and then uh, that's me. So, cool. do you have another one? Well, I got I got one and a half more. Okay. So I'll further, Matt, you said the other one I watched. I watched in Noel Holmes. I watched the Translators, which we saw a tr- with trailer for many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, this is a film. It's basically a cheeky who done it, not too dissimilar to you know most recently Knives Out. Mm-hmm. But the idea is a very successful trilogy conclusive book is coming out. Mm-hmm. Think something like the last Harry Potter which was huge. The secrecy around that was huge. So it's about this producer who's you know, releasing the book and he wants a worldwide release. So he gets a ton of different people from different countries. Oh, you got to watch that, did you? I watched it in this past week and I enjoyed it quite a lot. It's not like a perfect film by any means. It's kind of cheesy and campy in the same way that the book in the film is. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a murder detective thriller and there's a lot of like... Every 10 pages, someone dies or drowns or this person did this. Like, it's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think the film plays with the tone of that in a fun way. But um, there was just a a lot to like. It was one of those things where it's it's a little clunky structurally because there's a lot of back and forth in terms of, you know, when you look at something like Knives Out, you essentially have the one flashback at at the beginning that shows the actual murder. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the story just follows through as is and you have to connect the dots. This film just jumps all over the timeline. It's really confusing at times. Granted, by the time the credits rolled, everything made sense. I was like, that was really cool. Like, all those threads came together. I understand all the motivations. Because you're going to question a lot of... Like, 
that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense. By the end, it all does. But it's a bit of a mess getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the ideas I really liked. Cool. So, uh, including like the fact that all the characters... Because you, you go for the motivations of, okay, who's motivated... Oh, what the, the, I forgot to say the whole whodunit aspect is that they all go in this bunker to do the translations of the book and then pages start getting leaked. So it's who, which one of them did it, who had the motivation. I like they they kind of mess you because a lot of them are either huge fans of the author. Like, oh my God, it's an honor to to read this book early and to translate. And then others are just like, oh, he's a money-grabbing hack. I hate him. So it's like, it's cool that they had all of those different personalities in there. Um, but yeah, I absolutely recommend the film. The other half film... Mm-hmm. It's not really film. They're basically just a bunch of little documentaries from a YouTube channel called Mystic that are basically just like little 30-minute documentaries about like gaming-specific stuff. So much like mm. High Score last week from Netflix. Yeah. It's a bit more recent. So it's more about like the PS3 slash PSN hack and uh, the the console war between the 360 and the PS3 and uh, how why the PlayStation Vita failed and stuff like that. And I thought they were really good documentaries, even though they're like little video essays mm-hmm. but I just wanted to throw them out because they're really well done and if you're interested go watch them no worries well my last one to finish it off before we move into the career section mm. was Manson's Family Vacation now this is a <laughs> okay. film that stars Jay Duplass which we talked about last hey. week in for Outside In one of the Duplass brothers as well as Lin- uh, Li- uh, Linus Phillips um, and this is an interesting one so uh, I'll just give you the uh the logline. Please. Story of two do. brothers, one who is devoted to his family, the other who's obsessed with the Manson family. Now, it, this does play off a little bit off our LDC Brad Pitt conversation from earlier when I talked about the Tarantino stuff. With it sounds Monster. a bit like a documentary when you put it like that. Yeah, so basically what this is, is it's two brothers uh, in the modern day uh, world who one of them's a successful brother, the other's an adopted brother who felt neglected by his family. Hmm. Um, he's a little bit of an, uh, an outcast in terms of his family life. He's an artist. He's a bit of a, a wanderer. And he comes and visits his brother. And in order, they're spending a weekend together. And he lives in the hills of Hollywood. So he wants to pursue all of the sites in which the Manson murders and the Helter Skelter okay. sort of stuff happens. And it's interesting, albeit a little... Uh, a little campy and a little silly sometimes. Eventually it leads to finding out that uh, the adopted brother has actually sl- uh, has actually joined a Manson conservation group because apparently um, Charles Manson has multiple uh, wildlife co- and nature conservation, or at least when he was alive back in 2017, conservation uh, groups that yeah. sort of... Uh, follow his cultish will um, still. And um, it's a little odd. It's <laughs> Sounds I, like an odd film. It's a very odd film. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. It's kind of cool. has a few laughs here or there, but I think overall it sort of feels like the adopted brother is framed as if he is an incredibly stupid person. Mm. And... I can't go past a seldom good grade for it. You know, it's sort of, it's fine. It's not it as provocative fine, or it, compelling as an outside in. It, yeah, it sounds like there was just a lot of things that sort of bugged you a bit about it. 
Yeah, it just sort of was like, well, I can't really pick anything inherently wrong with it, but I also didn't find it that compelling, interesting. And if they were going for funny, I didn't find it that funny either. There were a couple of laughs, but not really enough to call it a comedy. Um, not like the film of the week. <laughs> um, mm, but yes. yeah, that's all I that's all I can really say about it. I've just it's my regular weekly sort of mine through the independent films. See what comes up. Yeah, hit a lot of hit and misses in in that journey. Yeah. But yeah. You get an outside in, then you get a Manson, which is fine, perfectly consumable. I, I started watching another film that was like... <laughs> perfectly consumable. Yeah. I like the term. <laughs> it's like that line in uh, Shirley where it's like, it was perfect, what was it? It was perfectly adequate. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Something that was like... Jeez, uh, I'm blanking on the line now. Oh, such a good line though. Where it was just like... It's not a. It's it's so, no it's fun like, if it's bad or if it's not really bad or really good and it's adequate. It's actually worse to just be. Yeah, it's it's forgettable it was, and adequate. I would rather it be terrible than it than adequate. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm gonna just drink. My no worries. <laughs> well, um, it's time to move into our career section, Jakey boy. Mm. Now that we've all finished with our films of the week, have you got any updates? I do. So, well, I mean, last week I mentioned that yeah, we're shooting at. Backlot this past Saturday, Gina Williams and Guy Gauss. I think I called a house last week. His name's actually Guy Gauss. G's not silent. But um, no, so I met them last Saturday and we shot their concert. They had some new music as well. And it was one of their first performances since COVID. So no, they had a really good time. And thank you, Zeke, for lending me one of your cameras. I use it as a B camera. I only have one camera. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I took your only camera. No, um, but no, I thank you for that because it really helped. And now I'm in the process of editing the footage together, and hopefully that goes public pretty soon. Hopefully by next week, mm. even next week's episode. But uh, yeah, so that was really fun. Let's see, what did you do this past weekend? So I, for the first time in probably just under or just over a year, can't quite pinpoint the date. I probably over because we were shooting waiting room. We had already shot waiting room by this time last year. So it would have been over. Yeah. Uh, I was on, or have been on, a set for the last three days. Yay! <laughs> um, I've been first Simpsons cheer. ADing uh, a film, uh, another uh, another uh, third, uh, it's technically a third year student film. Um, so the one's basically equivalent to what you and I were doing last year, Jay. Mm. Um, I'm first ADing a film called Puncture. Um, which follows the events of a small family through uh, one of them getting a brain aneurysm and sort of the fallout and effect that that has on uh, the mother who has the aneurysm, Mm. Hazel. It's, I mean, we talked about a lot off air. It's a really compelling script. It's really awesome. The last three days have been full on. They've been (laughs) full-blown 12-hour days. Um. But honestly, I've been really proud with what we've accomplished so far. So it'll be really interesting to see how we go from there. It's really weird. It was first; it was a little weird to be back on a set because it sort of had a little bit of a career shift in the last year, and um, now having a bit of time on my hands and getting the opportunity offered to me, I took it. And first day was a huge slug. I almost forgot how much effort it was, but the last two days they've definitely <laughs> built up momentum, speed, and honestly, very compelling. There you go, that agility, as they say. Just Yeah, and endurance, you know, just mm. sort of p- 
punching through and getting it done. And we have one more day of shooting tomorrow. So by next week, we would have wrapped on shooting. Sure. Sure. Maybe now, a couple of pickups here or there, but principal photography would be done. Moving to the edit. Um, and then there's a couple more projects coming up in the future that I'll let you know when they happen. But um, yeah, you're, you're back in the band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, As they say in School of Rock. Which you haven't seen. <laughs> it's uh, it's from a first time director too. So, and this is also my first time first ading. So, um, it's sort of been a very hands on experience. It's very uh, micro budget filmmaking, sort of uh, smaller crew. Like I, I know the when you were on uh, Raven a couple mm. of weeks ago, it was a really big crew. Yeah, about thirty to forty, I want to say. Crazy, crazy numbers. Yeah, and this is seven. Yeah. So, um, well, when I seven say seven, and I'm then act, like casting crew, would, like, well, casting crew would be 40. 10. Okay. So, um, yeah. And honestly, some real cool, uh, micro budget innovation tactics to work around the very, very small budget. Um, but you guys built a set. We did mm. build a set. You, re, um, sort of, uh, some clever little innovation stuff there where it was, uh, using the flats from a uh, seventy thousand dollar film was right. it seventy that one? I think it was seventy. Yeah, seventy plus. Yes, yeah, I think it ended up capping at like seventy, but um, uh, yeah. So they were just sitting there in the studio. They were sitting they? in uh the Murdoch studio, and we asked permission to paint them, and and we just got the do whatever you want with them because they're just sitting there. <laughs> there for that use. They are long past shooting that film. So um, there you go. So. There was a whole build with that. There's a great time lapse that was taken of the whole assembly. Oh, sweet. Very nice. Um, so there's some really cool behind-the-scenes stuff we've captured. Um, and we have repurposed certain assets to look like three different rooms. Cause, mm. um, and there's uh, the, probably the toughest day tomorrow ahead. So, But up until this point, everything's been going... Uh, uh, we've had some really cool shots and some really cool things. And I'm okay. honestly... I felt like the longer it's gone on, the more comfortable I've gotten back into that sort of mindset, that go mindset. Yeah. No, that's always great. good because that was something that I was thankful on Raven that I've definitely had the opposite effect in previous ones. Like, the longer you go into a shoot, you're like, oh, you're just dreading it. You're like, oh, God. But then some it's shoots. Showtime. Some yeah. shoots. Yeah. You're like, oh, I love being here. I don't yeah. want to end, really. And I, I, I mean, I've spoken to you off air about all of my thoughts, but for the most part, yeah, it's been really cool to get back on a set. Mm. And there's another one coming up in the next month and then another one sporadically over that, which I'll talk about when we and get to them. another one and but, another one. Um, it, yeah, it seems, you know, it's it's nice to be getting, it's, uh, it's also, we've talked about this, um, it's nice being still in a, a, a good, like a vital role, but also uh, not a role that will... I mean, you're um, not the director, so... No. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be. I like being in the big, the, one of the big six, but it is nice to just be sort of being another serviceman to to someone else's vision. Right. I've never really driven that part of the you know the plane before. So. Well, we talked about first eighty off the like. You really are the bridge between the creative and and the technical side. So it's like your your job is very much to make sure the vision happens, but you're also like the first person on set that has to say no. Mm. Which is a weird balance that I, I feel love like, it though. Yeah, no, it's great, and I, I think a lot of first ads can be different kinds of first ads. Yeah, they can be complete pricks. They can be too nice. 
and that could go wrong in other ways but <laughs> i see it like a, a dad you're like the, yeah. the set's dad you can be cool and relatable but then you also have to be authoritative and and something right. stick you and then when someone down. says blah 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 you have to tell them that no 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 i'm there <laughs> i'm you listen to me now <laughs> It's a very cheeky joke, Jake. <laughs> uh, all right, I think it's time to move into our film of the week. But, That's Jake, what are we watching? This week of the show, we're watching Airplane. Stand by for the most extraordinary chain of events ever swept up into high adventure. Hey, Larry, where's the forklift? Forklift! It's over there with the baggage water. Airplane. Airplane is drama. Uh, this is Dr. Brody at the Mayo Clinic. There's a passenger on your Chicago flight 209er, a little girl named Lisa Davis, en route to Minneapolis. She's scheduled for a heart transplant. I want you to make sure that she's kept in a reclined position and that a continuous watch is kept on her IV. Ted Stryker, a former pilot who has a fear of flying, finds himself burdened with the responsibility of landing a plane safely when most of the crew and passengers fall sick due to food poisoning. Ooh, that sounds intense, Zeke. I don't yeah. know if I want to watch this movie. Apparently it's part of a film series. No. But I feel like there's just two of them. There's only, there is a second airplane, which I watched as a kid and did not like nearly as much as this one. Um, although I know... So I did a little research. Last week you mentioned how this sort of turned into Leslie Nielsen having the Naked Gun series. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because this was his introduction into comedy, which of course led to Naked Gun. Right. So that's sort of where that connection came from, I think. There you go. But uh, I guess we'll talk about that more. As we get deeper into the film. So, I really, um, so, tying back to the first half of the show, Jake, it's really nice that after the last three days mm. of 12-hour shoots... Uh, Taking a little yawn there. I literally <laughs> just yawned. How appropriate. <laughs> um, Pregnant pause. It was really nice to have an under 90 minutes, fun, easy-watching, mm. laughing extravaganza and to think we almost did the the, the lighthouse this week you, oh man i just i just think back at last week we're sitting there like well this thing has to correct i think we put more effort into tying together the devil all the time than the director did cool um oh no hey uh, oh but uh yeah no i mean. it was a little bit of a shot um it's a fun spoof film yeah, so this is the first time you've seen Airplane, or as I like to call it, Flying High. That is the correct name. That What did we say? Not my president. That's not my title. Yes. Flying High is my title. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I I grew up on this film. Which Fake there, news. There might be a few... Yeah. There might be a few scenes in here that you're like, oh, that's a bit strange for a kid, but uh, that's 80s PG for you, sir. It was, yeah, uh, I just didn't pull any punches. <laughs> well what did you think first time watching Flying High so Airplane? I'm a big fan of spoof parody films I think that Mel Brooks had a huge foundation with the spoof parody film with the producers Blazing Saddles and Robin Hood Men in Tights mm. um, two, I've only seen two out of three of those Blazing Saddles and Men in Tights but I love them 
I grew up with, ironically, I grew up with Blazing Saddles, which is probably when you ever watch that, Jake, you'll be like, well, I thought I was strange, but Zeke's watching your <laughs> film where they're throwing the N-word around every two seconds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's used to... It works. Um, well, you said the same about The Wizard of Oz with me, though. You're like, you grew up on this? <laughs> yeah. Um, this fever dream. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. No, honestly, it, um, it, was, it was a fun and entertaining film. Did I like it as much as Robin Hood, Men in Tights, or Blazing Saddles? Probably not. But um, it was it was actually slightly a different brand of humour, mm. I think. Um, there were some funny jokes in there. There were some jokes I thought went on too long. Um, for example, the dance sequence in the bar when he's telling the story. I know it does play into a mm. punchline joke. Um, post the flashback story, right? Um, I thought that went on a little too long. There were a couple of jokes like that that were a little too long. Some jokes that really haven't aged all that well. You see, where, I whereas I think Mel Brooks's stuff, although politically incorrect, is so overtly politically incorrect, it actually ages better. You see, I was gonna say rewatching this film. I haven't seen this film in years. I was shocked at how like from a political correctness standpoint how much actually did hold up it was very few I was like oh look her, her boobs are shaking at that one that, that was really it for me even Bill and Ted used like the F-bomb <laughs> which, which this film doesn't go that far I don't yeah think. I, I think the and I think the subtitle uh, black a lot of the African American humour doesn't oh, land the jive, me the jive stuff the jive stuff okay. and also the uh, kind of cultural appropriation colonialization joke it's sort of directed at the oh, two of them yeah, going yeah, yeah. to Africa and teaching them to play oh, basketball, yeah. and then they all turn into NBA. <laughs> that was a l- see, see that's dumb. It just makes me laugh because yeah, it's so dumb. It's it, it's a little too. I'm not. Uh, I don't mind. See, see me laughing I would right love, now. I would love you to watch Blazing Saddles, and you'll get what I'm saying when it's right. when it's they're throwing those words around, but it's them making fun of them. They're saying it themselves. So there's such a self-aware overt political incorrectness yeah, that but it works better in the long term. I'm sure it does, but like even, I mean, the joke you just mentioned, the the voiceover that's happening over that scene of them playing basketball is like, oh, I guess because our American tactics are so good. Like, I think they're making fun of themselves as well. It's like, oh, Americans are taking credit for this. Yeah. So there's a bit of I that. Just, I think too. so. I think so too. Yeah. I just, it just didn't land as well. Okay. But, um, it's there is still a lot really of juvenile fun. jokes in this film. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> so then I start. Then there is then there are jokes like uh, I take my coffee like my like the kid, <laughs> where you just you just like it's so. The, I think the thing that this film does, which is which is honestly, it's uh, this film has a lot of legacy for a lot of comedies like spoof There's comedies so many, in particular. I mean, Ted literally rips that scene straight out of the, when, with the dancing the the disco scene. Mm. Just straight up took it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that this film's comedy legacy cannot be ignored. Mm. I think in terms of spoof films, it's between this and the Mel Brooks stuff, it's definitely one of the more prominent examples. Uh, I like the literature humour in this. Oh, in the back like, and forth. They sort of like, you know, the, we make a joke about the don't call me Shirley thing, but it's like, <laughs> it's because they say lines so quickly that, it works really well or even just like the all together now where it's, where it's like <laughs> yeah all together now or 
or where they're like, uh, what's that one where they're like, oh, what's a what's an what's an air pl- uh, what's a hospital? And it's oh, just, yeah. oh it's, it's a, a building, big building with-, with sick people. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not really important right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's a cockpit? Oh, it's a thing at the front of the plane <laughs> that pilots sit in. Yeah, that uh, stuff gets me every that time. That stuff's well. like I like the literature humor. Yeah. Um, the deadpan performances from yeah from. Lazy from Lazy Nielsen, Nielsen. And, and that that that's basically why this is what I've read is that he basically got cast because he was typecast in a, in a non-comedic role mm. and I think I think other people that they were trying to cast were, were hamming up those lines and you're right they work because it's deadpan comedy it works because he's He's like, yes, I am a doctor with with stereotypes. The stereotypes in his ears. I'd even say like, like that like stuff's hilarious. Kareem Abdul Jabbar, who was playing uh, Roger uh, Murdoch, yep, undercover, <laughs> and Peter Graves, the pilot. They like their yeah. way of just deadpan going for it was just Roger like, that Roger. <laughs> what? <laughs> Go again, Victor. 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 <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I think great. at the end of the day, there's only, there's only so much you can talk about with a spoof film. Um, I think performance is one of the, the big points mm. of note. Um, I think all performances are really funny. Um, yeah, there's really not a weak link in here. Like, not really. Everyone's no. funny. No. Even the ones who have even small roles work. Well, well. even like the kid who's like getting the heart trans, and I'm now I'm thinking of the joke where the heart's like bouncing off the desk. This is great. But like even I find the country song when the the, rest, the yeah that's she's it. She's singing it and she knocks the kid's uh, yeah. IV drip and she. But even just the kid's face is like really funny, <laughs> like like trying to breathe, like just little things like that are just so funny. And I think that's why this film is so. I said it last week. I think it's my favorite comedy of all time. Probably one of the best comedies of all time. Mm. And rewatching it last uh, or today, I rewatched it this morning. I was like, "Yeah, it still is. It's still hilarious." And there was so I think many. Think the budget went God. to the plane going through the terminal, and like the rest of it was just in a like a studio. <laughs> yeah, I think they had two cameras rolling on it because I watched one of the extras like pointing, yeah. and it matches perfectly with the other camera because mm-hmm. they start off with a side angle. And you just see the nose, and then it cuts to the front angle right before it smashes through the glass. Yeah. And it must have two cameras rolling, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's where most of the budget went. What was the budget on this film actually? Well, it grossed one hundred and sixty at the Boston. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I think it was like three million, and it grossed a ridiculous amount of money. You're right. It did really well. Well, here's here's the thing. So this is the origin of the film. You're right. It's a spoof film. It's mostly spoofing the disaster films that really became prominent in the 70s the original one was zero hour which also has an explanation mark in its title from 1957 mm-hmm. i think that's the main one where they, they literally copy like characters and and the actual plots synopsis and stuff but then you look at 70s films like airport uh airport and airport 1975 are those two different films like maybe i just wrote that mm-hmm. like the Poseidon adventure jaws especially i mean they literally do jaws at the beginning of the film which is a nice yeah. way to open it um and it's funny because it's like you think like oh these are really they're making fun of these disasters, but it's like, Jaws is an excellently directed film. I watched The Towering Inferno, which is 74, I believe. I love The Towering Inferno. Yeah. I think it's authentically great. So it's funny that they're spoofing these films, not because they're bad, but because there's just so many like them mm-hmm. that it can get away with that. And me watching this film as a kid, not knowing any of the content, I never saw Jaws as a kid. I never saw The Towering Inferno. But 90% of the humor still worked. Because I think the tropes that they're making fun of are so common in most films, not just disaster films, that it, it works. 
Yeah. Even like the like the the transitions or like the juxtaposition where all like the, even the voiceovers in the airport just arguing with each <laughs> other, like just general stuff that they're subverting in a fun way. So that's sort of where the film comes from. Yeah. From an origin. I really, standpoint. I really like that uh, they they've got a more fresh take on it. And there's some really funny. Uh, Sort of four. There's a fourth wall break in this. There's uh, one, and I gotta say, I don't like it. I still don't like it either. When he turns his camera, he calls her a pisser. It's like that joke never worked for me. And you're right; it's the only time they do it. Mm. It's the only real fourth wall break. It's weird. It's a very odd one. Yeah, I kind of wish they just cut that out. The thing, the problem is, if they cut it out, then that scene there's no comedic flash to that scene. Yeah. Because it's like an actual dialogue scene between him and the girl he's chasing. It's a very cliche dialogue, too. It's very cl- It's on the nose, but it's like... It doesn't work without a punchline, you're right. But then the punchline, that's like one of the only jokes I don't like in the mm. film. Because this... I don't know, it just doesn't work for me when he looks into the camera. and uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because everything else... Every other scene... I don't, I don't like the one where uh, the dude's in the car and it's clearly on a projector screen and they run over the dude and it's on the projector screen. It's so it, bad. <laughs> But I think that once the horses come in, yeah. like I think at that point they're just acknowledging how bad it looks. <laughs> <laughs> Which that always worked for me though. But okay. I guess it is weird because you're right. The, the woman the... sleeping with the horses. Another one. I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of what. <laughs> yeah. But see, I like the execution of the joke because it's all lighting. It's the same camera, but then she turns the light on the horses. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a Godfather thing. I don't know. It was. Yeah. Little after Godfather, but um The horse is like moving too <laughs> really confused about it's just moving around. Oh, I'm going to the airport. I've been Oh you can get out the window, whatever she says. Do you have anything else you'd like to add, bud? Yeah, no, well there's um I mean we could talk a bit about Le- uh, Leslie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his name, he's very popular. But you were, you because know, you, 'cause you're right, he was in the Naked Gun series and like I said he was cast because of the deadpan performance and he actually went on to talk about how i don't know i don't want to say he used the quote this film changed my life but he did go on to say basically someone asked him hey did this film change your typecasting yeah and he said he's like no this film actually fixed my typecasting because he's like i always wanted to do comedy and this was the film that sort of put him into that Mm. that fray which i i really appreciate and there's, there's 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 just so many different you should, so you talk about like some of your favorite jokes are the wordy, yeah, dialogue exchanges, which are a lot of his jokes. Yeah, well, exactly. He does a lot of the delivery, and that's why it works so well. And even the, at the end, the good luck wall counting on you, <laughs> which is just so appropriate. Like the middle, the middle one when he comes through. But um, I just love the variety of jokes because we talked about. I was meant to reference this video. I forgot to write it down, but there is one about specifically Edgar Wright, but how he does comedy on YouTube. Yeah. And just, it's not always words. It's like, how do you use the camera? How does, how is the scene edited? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just love the variety that this, I want to just quickly check. But you can actually see some of the writing literature tricks that Edgar Wright does in his comedies. Yeah. That are here too. Well, it, it exactly. And it's not that they're absent. It's just that they're not relying. It's not like, oh, here's Chris Rock and, uh, or, or Chris Hart and The Rock being like, ah, oh, just, just talk. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the scene. It's like no, there's actually genuine comedic thought that goes into it, and I, I see. I'm with you for most of the flashbacks, though. Like I think the comedy works, but it only works at the airport stuff. All the situational stuff is hilarious, mm-hmm. but when they cut back to 
is it African? Is Africa? Is that where they are? Yeah. Yeah. When it cuts to that, or like the hospital, I just couldn't care less. And they need those scenes to establish the relationship. Yeah. But you're right. I just, the, the, I even as a kid, yeah. I never liked this. The only one I like, ironically, is the the disco one. I think that really works. Yeah. It did. It, it, it still was. It was okay, but it didn't. It went on for like ten minutes. It's a real big part it's of the film. Not short, no. I, yeah, there's not a lot of dialogue either, though. No, it's it just is a like dance it. number, and I'm sort of like, yeah. okay, cool, there's a dance number. Yeah, it's not <laughs> not for me. I'm sure it's for someone though. No, that's fair. Enough. Well, I, I I actually did enjoy that a lot rewatching it, but the, the ones after that, and thankfully they stop in the first act because once the actual danger of the plane comes, like the once we learn about the food being poisoned, is it really poison? I guess it's just bad. It's just it's bad wrong. fish. Yeah, yeah, it's bad food fish. poisoning. Yeah. Um, which is another great joke when like, everyone who had fish and he, he looks over and it's just, it's just a bunch of the fish. <laughs> but that's another example of like just absurdism, absurd comedy of like that's not how a normal human <laughs> would eat fish, but it's just that in the in the film world, that's how you establish without dialogue that he's... He's eating fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's the most over-the-top like... <laughs> it's like fish bones. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Uh, but... um. No, you're right though. Like in terms of the the plotting and everything, like it's so you you said it off the show. It's a it's a bunch of skits, mm-hmm. but it's just done and threaded so well together, and it's so funny. It's kind yeah. of got that Simpsons effect of like the early Simpsons. I should clarify, like there must have been a million drafts of this because everything, nearly everything, just works. I love. Um, I think the best way to go with. Uh, I mean, do you have any more? conversation um anything you'd I, like got, to address? I got some fun facts but that's about it so fun facts yeah. um before let's do fun facts first i've got one okay. one thing i want to do maybe before we bridge into a highlight scene sort of situation okay well the the we talked a bit about the title of the film of course airplane some call it flying high different regions different titles yeah. much like the philosopher stone sorcerer stone debacle mm-hmm. i was i never knew that was a thing actually for harry potter yeah till you told me yeah it? no that's neat so it's it's sorcerer stone in the u.s um, something to do with the actual the Philosopher's Stone people thought it would be a different kind of book like not a fantasy fiction book so they changed the name basically they thought US citizens were dumb well but, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but with this one it was a bit more complicated because I looked and people don't necessarily know the answer as to why so I think I can't remember which regions it is I don't think it's just US are we airplane? No, we're flying high because I own the DVD. And it says I think it's high. got something to do with weed or drugs. I think that's one of the because uh, there's a lot of theories. That's definitely one of them. Mm. Is the US had a stronger stance on on the the suggestion of drugs, particularly in the 1980s when war on drugs was a Absolutely. huge prominent thing for yep. the US. So, so that's a big one. Uh, the other one was that I think the film had a code name "Flying High" for some test screenings, and it just stuck. Mm. So they yeah. kept it for certain countries. Um, God, what was the other one? You want to know what the German title is, though? German yeah. title. I'm not going to read the German pronunciation, but it translates to "The Incredible Journey in a Crazy Airplane." <laughs> That's the German title of the film. What a humdinger! <laughs> exactly right. But um, I feel like there's one more theory, but I'm I'm kind of blanking on it. But yeah, yeah you're right. It's a strange. I feel like it's got to do with the. Like when I hear flying high, and then obviously I'm yeah, thinking yeah. flying while under the influence of the marijuanas. Yeah, I think flying high is a better title just because airplane sounds a little meh. Airplane's tougher to Google too. 
It is. Doing airplane. Oh, did, did you just find out then? Yeah. <laughs> you got to add the explanation mark. That's mm. that's how it counts. But um. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so what were you gonna say? I would like to say before we go into our highlight scenes, mm. what is the funniest scene for you and the funniest joke in oh, this okay. film? Oh, that's so hard. Yeah, I, I did write down because I reckon that could be different from your highlight scene. So, because uh, for me, a highlight scene is still something that's cinematically impressive or right like the scene really grabs you in one way or another yeah i guess yeah that's tricky or it's I, the effort they put into a joke whereas for yeah. you what's the one that got the biggest laugh out of you it's probably the best way of phrasing it yeah um i think what it was because watching this film and i was still laughing at all the jokes that i remembered i mean we mentioned earlier like the oh i like i like my coffee black like my men mm-hmm. which i mean that joke works just because she's what eight years old yeah. <laughs> but like that stuff is just so when you watch it as a kid like that stuff is so memorable so it's not a yeah. surprise but there were a few scenes today re-watching it where i just like i do not remember that joke and it's so funny i can just piss myself <laughs> laughing one was the dog so when the guy comes to pick up i forget the names but he goes to pick up the other guy yeah, and ship the dog yeah yeah and the dog just starts jumping which is to be fair, I was laughing because that literally happened to me the other day. I visited a friend down south, yeah. and I haven't I haven't seen her in like almost a year. So like her dog was going absolutely nuts seeing me again, and uh, it just that's what it just felt like. Yeah, is and the dog just starts like ripping him apart. But you know what's funny about that scene as well? I wouldn't call it my highlight scene. I didn't even notice until someone pointed it out is when he's like doing his tie up in the mirror. He's not actually in a mirror because he just walks through the mirror. Yeah, that I was like, what? I just missed that. It's weird. Yeah. I I don't I can't explain if that's a joke or that's like a play on like he thinks life's a mirror or something. I don't know. What. I think it's just like a it's such a disarming yeah. thing. Like it's so random. The other joke that really got me that I forgot how um forward it is because mm. I did remember I was like oh I do remember the joke. So Otto we haven't talked about Otto, the the famous co-pilot or the autopilot, I should say. Um, there's a scene where they have to blow him back up, and I look. I re- <laughs> I remember this scene. I did remember this happening, but rewatching, I was like, I forgot how overt it is. First off, he starts smiling. The Otto starts. He doesn't smiling. just smiling. Yeah. He's just like he's like ding, <laughs> and then he starts nodding. He starts nodding, <laughs> and then and then Lysenius comes in and he gets the reaction. That I remember that. But then they're both smoking afterwards. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. I completely forgot about that. It's really funny. Because oh, I wouldn't have known what was happening. The first. I Like as a kid, you kind of have an idea. Like, oh, it's it's a dirty joke. But it's just like the details, like the smoking. You just completely I think the face is what gets me. The face the, is the, so the funny. The blow-up doll, like he's like zinging. <laughs> like... <laughs> Oh, Some prop me. designer had to design that. Yeah, they had to like swap out the autos. <laughs> All right, we need the happy auto. Okay, we need a okay. contempt for, auto. For me, it's got to be either. Um, it's got to be the grandma that comes up and speaks jive. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's great. Um, Excuse me, I speak jive. <laughs> she just goes starts, straight. He's into like, it. I understood her. What are you doing? They get into an argument. <laughs> yeah, really funny. Um. Oh. I like that, uh, and I would say the one I probably got one of the laughs I just didn't expect to get, yeah. like, from, like, a left field. I really liked the Lakers joke and oh, Roger, yeah. like, and how he handles that scene. 
where he's just with the kid Johnny br- Johnny the kid yeah yeah um, and then all that man naked <laughs> <laughs> grown man naked it's just it's really funny it's really funny or or the bit where um striker is in the plane and he's getting a pep talk from his old captain but he leaves the pa on he's like oh we're, <laughs> we're screwed yeah I remember, yeah i remember that he walks out he's still getting the the um like the motivational thing at the end yeah. but then what was the last line he said he said something about like a, a bonds like <laughs> you got bonds. <laughs> it's like oh my god what's going on it's funny uh that was a weirdly edited scene though it is. like from that and then the 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 crossfade to them kissing because uh, of course he wins her back it's a spoof it has to happen that way but um yeah i also before we do our highlights because now i don't know what my highlight i guess i have one but shout out to my boy jonathan banks mm-hmm. who very sneakily enters this film with the chicken <laughs> <laughs> what does he say i got about 10 minutes like what is he- <laughs> and then i forgot he i thought that was the only scene he was in but then he's looking at the radar and he's like yeah. he's jumping all over the place what what an asshole <laughs> It's very young Jonathan Banks. Yeah, no, he looks great in it. But he is he's distinguishable. His his face is so distinguishable. Alright, well, yeah, what's your highlight scene, Zeke? No worries. I would have to say that my favourite uh, favourite scene of the film, which is probably the one I've seen the most of, is the I really like the I'm gonna call it a, a sequence of it's the woman who is next to her husband narrating <laughs> He, her yeah. surprises as her husband is going it's slowly descending into sickness yeah but it's just like her narration he never orders a second which, cup of coffee <laughs> Jim never throws up on a <laughs> <laughs> and which eventually leads to the line of people just hitting yeah just beating her up very funny one. Or, I just love uh, the character because that joke works it's funny but it works because you know who the characters are yeah. So it's like, oh look, the nun that we've grown to know is be. Oh look, the doctor yeah. who's like doing all these serious scenes next door is beating up this woman now. And they're just little things like cutting to Leslie Nielsen and he's got like a woman up in the the, the <laughs> and he's just like, what's going? I forgot about that. Yeah, and he's like, oh, what's going on now? It's he's delivering a baby. Or or the woman singing the country song and then knocking mm. it out solely for the kid's facial reactions, which he's just like. <laughs> Like Otto, like Otto the human being. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that blow up doll. Yeah. All right, over to you, Jakey that boy. That was so funny. Um, God, because again, this is just sort of jokes that we like. It's yeah. sort of a chain of. It's the only way to do it, though. Really. Yeah, no, it's. You're right. It's just a skit film. Um, mm. so well threaded though. I like little shout out to the the taxi joke where the guy climbs in the taxi and then he's got like it's like a twenty thousand dollar fair yeah and then it, i don't know if you noticed but there's an after credit scene and it cuts back to him still in the, he's like i'm gonna give him another 10 minutes but then i'm gone <laughs> and it just cuts to black um gosh what's my highlight scene because those were sort of the ones i just mentioned those were sort mm. of my cheat highlight scenes you know i like i like the disco scene a lot okay it's classic it, it lived on i think it's really funny fair enough all right, well, Airplane is out in wide release. Uh, yeah. It's on Prime Video. There you go. And rental services. Moving into what's new in rental streaming and cinemas. What is All new the on the things. streaming platforms and cinemas, buddy? Bit of a fun week this week. Okay. Uh, a bit of an Oscar starting race, I think. It's all finally happening. 
What are you, are you doing your la di da face? La di da. La di da. So coming to stand this week, you got David O. Russell's The Fighter, which uh, I can look at him peacefully now because he's not going to ruin Uncharted. Someone else is going to ruin Uncharted. Mm. But for a while, it was going to be. Fighter's the one with Christian Bale, Mark Wahlberg. That's the one. Uh, I've seen it. It's good. It's good. It's quite good. And uh, Amy Adams. She's great in it. She beats people up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Evil Dead 2 and the first four American Ninja films. Uh, coming to Disney Plus this week is uh, Ford v. Ferrari. So last year's, uh, one of the last year's Oscar nominated films. I thought it was fine. I liked it. It's the most... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fine. What can you say? What's wrong with it? Yeah, it's it's fun. It got best editing because it's zoom zoom. Okay. I think, I think Parasite should have got best editing. Whatever. Or maybe Marriage Story. Whatever. Oh, Jennifer geez. Lame. She need, she needs more love. Uh, also, Classics this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. On October 5th, this next Monday, you can see a double screening at Luna of Groundhog Day and the Big Chill. So that's quite exciting. Interesting picks. Yeah, yeah, I guess together. They, yeah, I don't know. They they had some weird ones. They had um what Parasite and uh, Donnie Darko. Yeah, that was a weird mix, but I don't know. I guess they both got dark undertones to them. I guess, yeah, but even tonally, that I don't know. Whatever. Some someone made that decision somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and coming to cinemas this week, you have the Leadership, which is a Screen Australia funded doco, which sees Fabian uh, Datner lead an international group of seventy six female scientists on an art. Uh, Antarctic voyage designed to transform them into leaders. I've seen the trailer a few times. It seems very like big scale, epic. Hmm. So if it if it translates, I think it'll be a fine fine film. The new Aaron Sorkin film comes to Luna and the Backlot this week ahead of its Netflix release, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. I actually have tickets this Friday to go see it, so uh, I'm very keen. Oh. And uh, I'm sure we would do it. Did later you say in the tickets month. or ticket? Um, I go- I'm going for another friend. Oh, I'm sorry, Zeke. Nice. No, it's all right. I was just curious. You're like, Jake, you have other friends? <laughs> no, I have, uh, I'm have. i going with my, my lit friend, Mel. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Let's move on. She likes dialogues. Let's move on. Di- okay. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, I wonder what to make of this one, Zeke. Uh, coming first. Why you go with your friend? <laughs> <laughs> we still got to watch American Pickle together. Yeah, it's true. We got to do that one first. Um, coming this Thursday the 1st uh, to... Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Friday the 2nd. And this is what Hoyts is saying. Luna has a different date, but Hoyts are apparently screening Dirt Music. Okay. Which is the Tim Burton... Uh, Tim Burton, Jesus Christ. Tim, Tim Winton-based film that was shot on my street. We saw them shooting Twas. it. Twas. Twas. So that finally comes to Hoyts this week. Again, allegedly on Friday. Uh, and lastly... <clears throat> Excuse me. Lastly, coming to cinemas at Luna, On the Rocks, the latest film from Sofia Coppola and stars Bill Murray and Rasha De Jones. Is that it? Rasha De Jones? I'm going to screw up her first name. <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that is coming out very soon. Now, Zeke, it would be nice to do On the Rocks next week. Mm-hmm. But I feel like before we do Sofia Coppola's latest film, we got a bit of homework, I think, to do. I believe so, too. But, Jake, <laughs> does that mean we have to... I mean, it is a director's corner, so we might as well just do Sophia Coppola. Sounds like a plan, Zeke. Look at us coming up with plans mm. on the spot. Yeah, she's just, but, but, Jake, what film <laughs> should we do? <laughs> what are you, an aeroplane bit? <laughs> what film should we do for our director's corner for Sophia Coppola? Oh, let's just throw a random one in there, shall we? Next week, we're doing... The Virgin Suicides.
all to understand those five girls who after all these years we can't get out of our minds. In an ordinary suburban house on a lovely tree-lined street in the middle of 1970s America lived the five beautiful dreamy Lisbon sisters whose doomed fates indubitably marked of the neighborhood boys who to this day continue to obsess over them. That is a very artsy logline. That is a very artsy logline. Have you seen this film, Zeke? I have not. Oh, okay. So I don't actually know... I was going to say, I... Yeah, that that's seems... check my Sofia Coppola, what I have covered. So we've done Marie Antoinette on the show. We did, episode 15. We've... Yeah, 15? 14. I think 16. 16. Because we did Avengers right before. It was a weird jump, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we d- we've done that, and we talked a bit about Lost in Translation. I couldn't tell you which episode, because that was like a random, you know, first half of the show discussion. Uh, but we both like the film. I think you like it way more than I do. Which, uh, Maria Antoinette? Oh, uh, no. Uh, Lost in Translation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we both like it. You, de- you just like it way more than I do. Um, so we we've definitely done some homework on Sofia Coppola, Coppola Coppola, but I think this is an appropriate film as her director's corner. I is I believe this is her feature uh, debut feature. It's looking like it. Yes. Is it a directorial debut, Zeke? <laughs> uh, it's, it is we, looking that way. There yes. you go. Yeah, we're bringing the quotes back, everyone. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right. Well, that that sounds like a plan. Zeke will do. Virgin Suicides, episode 90, and then her latest film, On the Rocks. We will catch up with that in the following week. Does that sound like a plan, Stan? That does sound like a plan, Stan, my man. But before we finish, yes. I have a really important question for you, Zeke. What's that? Have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Cinema Side <laughs> Show podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with The Virgin Suicides. You didn't answer my question. 